This morning we continue our series called Seasons. We've been talking about different seasons of life. I want to give a big thank you to Nielsen Greiner and to Ben Holst for preaching for us, leading us in worship the last couple of weeks. I thought you did a fantastic job. Got a chance to listen to both your sermons this week on iTunes. And I would encourage you, if you weren't here in the last two weeks, go to iTunes, look up Big Sky Christian Fellowship, and listen to uh, both Ben and Nielsen's sermons. They were fantastic sermons on uh, God's season of provision uh, for Ben um, and a season of decision for Nielsen would encourage you to do that. And thank you very, very much. We had a great time. We were in Florida. I was doing a wedding down there. And then we spent some time at the Magic Kingdom uh, with the children. And uh, it was magic until the magic was over. I'll just say it that way. Um, And one of the fun things about the trip was that we got to ride roller coasters for the first time with my four and six year old and I love roller coasters anybody else love roller coasters yeah okay I hate heights but I love roller coasters like as long as I'm not stuck up there for too long man I love roller coasters a couple years back I was a youth pastor and my wife and I were living in California and we were on a trip with a bunch of middle school kids and we went to, I think it's called Magic Mountain, maybe, I don't remember, out there in California. Uh, it's a Six Flags park. It's got huge roller coasters and you ride around and just have a fantastic time. And we were there with these middle school kids having so much fun riding these massive roller coasters. But throughout the day, something was like going on inside of me. Like my guts were not feeling real well, right? And we get to the end of the day, and I remember sitting sort of in this pavilion. We're getting all the kids on the bus to go home, and Lori and I were actually going on a much-needed break to the coast for a couple days. And I said to her, I, I don't feel good. Like, something's going on inside of me. And so she's like, oh, you'll, you'll be okay. We'll, we'll get going. We'll get to the, to the coast, and it'll be good. We'll stay to bed and breakfast. It'll be fantastic. And so we start driving uh, from this place up on the kind of near the grapevine in California, massive uh, California traffic. And as we're driving down this five-lane highway, I realize, like, something's really wrong. And I start sweating Right? And I'm, and I'm like, Lori, something's really wrong. Right? You ever had one of these moments? Like, something's really wrong. So, I'm, you're going to get so much more information than you want. That's okay. So, we go to this, we go to this, I don't, we, we went to these stores, and we found a sporting goods store, and I like went to the bathroom, I was like, I just got to go to the bathroom, we'll figure this out, it's going to be okay. Went in there, sat for a while, sweating red, thinking I'm dying, like this isn't helping. I go next door, I go to the CVC, CVS or whatever, the, the store that has some medicine, I get me some Pepto-Bismol, I drink half the bottle, I'm like, it's going to be okay. We get back into the car, and I'm sitting in their fetal position and I'm like I'm not okay I'm not okay and so Lori drives us down the highway I think this was pre the, the pre the days of Google and smartphones but we figured out where there was a hospital in the area we got to this hospital and they said do you have insurance which in California apparently if you have insurance you go to the front of the line that's how it works right so they they rushed me in and they did some tests and they said you you got a kidney stone I'm like, oh man. And it's lodged in between, um, in between your kidney and your bladder. And it, it like, it's, it's trying to get through. And what we need you to do is hydrate and hydrate and hydrate. We'll give you some medicine and hopefully it'll make its way through. 
That was the first kidney stone that I passed. The second one I passed, this is not even a joke. I was, I was at a coffee shop with Lori. The name of the coffee shop was called It's a Grind, which it was. And I was like, hey, babe, get me a tea, not a coffee. I'm going to go pass a kidney stone. I can feel one coming on. Pass one in It's a Grind. Haven't had one since. Knock on wood, okay? I remember, though, being in that moment thinking, Jesus, I need some healing. Like, this is awful pain. I've talked to women who have given birth, and they're like, there's some correlation here, right? Like, it's really, really painful. And I remember sitting there in pain with medicine going, I need some healing. About a year ago, Lori um, wasn't feeling good in her abdomen as well. And I went to work and like a good loving husband said, rub a little dirt on it. You'll be fine. And um, I got home at about noon and she was not fine. She was not fine. So we ran up here to uh, the medical clinic. Marin helped us out. um, And Lori ended up spending the night. um, And we thought it might be kidney stone. But it turned out to be um, something we later found out was endometriosis, which she had surgery later last year for. And we're trying to figure out, hey, what does that mean for her and for her life? Um, She's actually in a really great season right now. She's actually feeling really good. I was talking to her this morning about it. And so thank you for your prayers. Continue to pray for her. Um, She's feeling really great about it. But I remember very distinctly in that moment, around that day, spending the night in uh, the medical clinic, praying for healing. And and laying there next to Lori and just saying, Jesus, would you please, please heal my wife? I got a question for you. A seasonal question. When was the last time you needed a season of healing? When was the last time you needed a season of healing? For some of you, you go right to it, right? I'm looking at some of you. I'm looking at some of you, right? Uh, Season of healing is like right in front of you. Right? Just kind of, you're in the midst of a season of healing. And on a very personal level, you're going, man, I need healing right now. I need to be healed right now. I need Jesus to do something for me in this moment. For others of you, even though you didn't raise a prayer request, if, I, if we pushed you a little bit more... I bet most of us in the room could come up with someone that needs healing in our lives. Someone we love, someone we care for, that something either has been going on for a long time, or there's something significant, somebody in your family who was diagnosed with cancer this past year, uh, someone who was in an accident, or or someone who uh, had something just unforeseen come up in their health. And there was this moment where you said, we need healing. Healing. When was the last season where you needed healing? What were the emotions tied up into that moment? What were some of your thoughts? What were some of your knee-jerk reactions? And then a follow-up question. What did you do in that moment? What did you do in that moment when you needed healing? This morning, I want to talk about two stories wrapped into one passage, Luke 8, 40 through 56, to learn about what we should do in moments when we need healing or we know someone who we love, who we care for, who we cherish, who also needs healing. So I'm going to be in Luke chapter 8. 
verses 40 through 56. Two stories kind of wrapped up into one. Now, when Jesus returned, so he's traveling around, he returns, and a crowd welcomes him. For they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader. So think pastor, okay? Think like a, a guy who's a pastor or an elder. Think Rick, who just prayed here. He's like, he's, he's, he's a guy who's part of the church. He's part of the leadership of the church. He came and he fell at Jesus' feet, right? He fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So first part of the story, you've got this guy named Jairus, right? Jairus has a 12-year-old daughter. He's a religious leader. He's a Jewish man. So in the hierarchical scheme of life at that time, like he's pretty high in the ranking. So it wouldn't have been that surprising that he would have come to a rabbi and asked for help. He would have been very comfortable in doing that, right? But he does that and he comes and he lays at Jesus' feet and he says, Jesus, I know you're the only one who can save my daughter. Will you come with me? My 12-year-old is dying and I know that you can do something. This would have been an honorable request from an honorable man. Right? This would have been an upstanding guy in the community. Somebody that you would expect Jesus to go, Yep, I'll do it for you. You're an honorable man. You, you, know, you work for the Lord. Um, I'm going to come and we're going to figure this out. Story continues. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So he's headed to Jairus' house. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you. In other words, like there's lots of people touching you, Jesus. But Jesus said, no, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling, and then she fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been healed instantly. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. We're introduced to the second character in this story, and she doesn't even have a name. That's how important she is, right? Luke doesn't give her a name. She doesn't have a name. She's a woman and she's been subject to bleeding for the past 12 years, which in that culture, in that day, and in that age made her this word called unclean. Unclean. You don't get to approach the rabbi. You don't get to touch the rabbi. You don't get to go to certain places in the temple because you are, by definition, by Levitical law, you are unclean. You're the wrong kind of person to come and touch Jesus. And yet this woman, this unnamed woman, the opposite of Jairus, if Jairus is up here, this woman is down here, and yet she doesn't ask permission, she just comes and clings to Jesus. She thinks, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, I will be healed. Story goes on. 
While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. They just want to make sure that you understand that he's the right kind of person. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, James, and John, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Why? Because that's what you do when someone dies. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone about what had happened. See, these two folks came into this moment where they needed healing. One who was a religious leader up here on the totem pole of life, and one who was down here in the muck, in the mire, and unclean. They come to Jesus. And what we see on display is is faith. We see different types of faith connected into their seasons of healing. And I think for all of us, when we come into these moments, these seasons of healing, there is faith that starts to seep into how we deal with these moments. And these two stories reveal two very different things. Jairus' story reveals to us the lack of faith in a season of healing. Not necessarily Jairus, but all the people around him have no faith in this moment. They're laughing at Jesus when he says she's just asleep. And the parents, by the way, at the end are astonished, meaning they really probably didn't think it was going to happen either. So we see a lack of faith in this season of healing, while the woman's story, the one who shouldn't have had faith, the surprising one who had faith, reveals to us the abundance of faith in a season of healing. Jairus and his family, his household, who knows better, who goes to church, who should be people of faith, but they come to this moment of healing and the daughter dies, and guess what? Their faith is wavering. There's a lack of faith. They're saying, this can't happen. She is dead, dead, dead. She's not coming back to life. And what's on display is that these people who should know better, they should know better. They display this lack of faith. And yet there's this other woman. The unnamed woman. The filthy woman. The unclean woman who comes to Jesus with an abundance of faith. So much so that Jesus looks at her and says, Your faith, your faith has healed you. When you need a season of healing, do you have moments where you have great faith and then moments where you have no faith? You ever been there? Like, like I, I have. When, with, with Lori's stuff and, and with other health concerns, I mean, I know tons of health concerns within this church family. Um, 
And, and I want to be so bold in bringing those to Jesus. And I have these moments where I feel like, yes, I'm like at Jesus' feet. I'm reaching out for his cloak. I'm just praying for healing. And then if I'm really honest, I have these other moments where I'm like Jairus' family and friends. Where I'm like, I don't, know, I don't think Jesus got it in him. I just don't, I don't think he's got it in him today. I mean, I know he's, I know he's great. I know he's good. I know he's a healer. But I just, I don't see this this going well. See, I think this story, two stories wrapped into one, reveals a very human aspect of how we deal with these moments. That there are moments when we have great, great faith, and then there are moments when our faith wavers, especially in these moments of great need in terms of healing. And I love this about the stories. I love that I can see myself and that you can see yourself in these stories that there can be great faith and there can be lack of faith and yet we can still come to Jesus. So what I want to do with the remaining times, I just want to talk about two tangible takeaways that we can learn from this stories. Two tangible takeaways that we can learn from these stories when it comes to seasons of healing in your life. Number one, We need to ask Jesus for healing. We need to be those who are bold to ask Jesus for healing. This is where Jairus gets it all right. Right? Jairus doesn't say, no, I'm, you know, I'm too important. Uh, I got, I can figure this out on my own. He doesn't, he doesn't prop himself up, even though his position could have allowed him to do that. Instead, he comes to Jesus and throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he says, Jesus, you're the only one who can save her. Come and save my 12-year-old daughter. And I think for some of us, this first step is really hard. I think for some of us, when we need healing, I think we hesitate. I do. I, I, I think you do because sometimes I do. Okay? Like... There are these moments where I hear prayer requests and I'm like, should, should I even ask for that kind of healing? Can I even humble myself to ask for that kind of healing? I mean, this seems huge, insurmountable. For, for Jairus, his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter is at the precipice of death. And he's saying, man, can I even ask him? And yet, he has the boldness to ask Jesus for healing. I think we're afraid of this sometimes. I do. I think we're afraid to ask because I don't think we always want to know the answer. Right? I think sometimes we go, well, God, I don't know. Should I? I'm not one of those charismatic people who like talks to Jesus every day. Like, like can, I, can I actually ask Jesus for healing? And if I ask him, what if he doesn't heal? See, see we don't actually get much um, verbiage on that in this passage. Right? What we get is what you should do in that moment. Jesus does whatever he's going to do in that moment. We'll get there. Jesus does whatever he's going to do in that moment. But that doesn't mean you should not ask. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Listen, when you or a loved one needs a season of healing, be bold in asking Jesus for healing. Be bold in asking Jesus for healing. A lot of times when I'm around folks who are not bold in asking for that, they'll say something like this in prayer. And I don't think this is bad, but they'll say something like this. God, 
whatever you want. Or, God, whatever your will is in this situation. And here's the kicker. God gets his will no matter what. Like, you don't have to ask for that. He's getting his will. Right? It's a good prayer in terms of how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. But I think God wants us to come boldly. And to ask for healing for those who need healing in their lives. Secondly... I think this story teaches us to reach out to Jesus for healing. See, I think it goes beyond just asking for healing. I think it goes to actually reaching out to Jesus for healing. See, Jairus gets it right because he lays at Jesus' feet and he asks Jesus to do something for him. But the woman really gets it right because she says i'm going to push through the crowd and i'm going to get to jesus and if i can just reach out if i can just touch the edge of his cloak i don't even need to ask him i don't even need to get an audience with him i don't even need to bug him all i need to do is get grasp of one little thread on the edge of his cloak if i can just reach out to jesus then maybe I can receive some healing. This woman shows us the boldness of reaching out for Jesus. Once again, I think that we we sometimes we ask for this, but we don't have the boldness to reach out to Jesus. Right? Um, I think sometimes we lack... We lack the ability to actually reach out and say, Jesus is all that I need. If I can just get a hold of Jesus in this moment, he's going to do something. This woman who shouldn't be reaching out to Jesus. This woman who, picture it, she's pushed in by the crowd. Like, she had to fight her way to get to Jesus. You ever been in a crowd? You ever been to Disney World? Okay? Right? It's like, I'm pushing my stroller with my kids, and I'm dodging these people and dodging these people. I'm like, come on, honey, we're getting there. I got my fast pass. We're going, we're going. Like, right? And anyway, man, we're making it to Space Mountain. We're making it there, right? I mean, imagine that times, times a thousand, right? There's these people pressed in around Jesus. There's this woman who probably stinks because she's been bleeding for 10 years, right? She, she's disheveled. She's, she's not healthy. And, and listen, she's going to make her way to Jesus? I mean, she's pushing people out of the way. She's prying people out of the way. She's desperate to get to Jesus. She's thinking, if I can just get to Jesus, He can heal me. Jairus, yes, he asks. But she, she's desperate to get to Jesus. Are you desperate to get to Jesus? Like in these moments... When healing is needed, are you desperate to get to Jesus? Reminds me of another story of a man who was paralyzed. He had four friends. The four friends said, if we can just get him to Jesus, if we can just get him to Jesus, we know that Jesus can do something. So they, they, they pick up this guy's mat, right? And, and he's laying on the mat. He's lame and paralyzed. And they, they go to this house where they know Jesus is. And it's too full once again. It's just like the lady, right? Can't get to him. Can't get to him. So they go, man, how are we going to get this man to Jesus? So they say, you know what? I know what we can do. 
that roof is a thatched roof, which means we can get through it. There's tiles and there's mud and there's things, but we can get through that roof. And so they bring their friends up, on, their friend up onto that roof and they get down on their hands and their knees and they start digging desperate to get to Jesus. If you imagine being the people inside of this building, all of a sudden the roof is kind of caving and you look up and there's like, there's these dudes standing over top like, hey, we made a hole. We're sending them down, right? I mean, like they were desperate. Whatever they had to do, would you rip off a roof for your loved ones to get them to Jesus? Some of you would. I know I can see it in your eyes, right? Would you rip through the crowd? Would you pull and claw, claw and push just so that you could get a grasp of the edge of Jesus' cloak in a season of healing? There's a question about desperation in the story. How desperate are you to be with Jesus? How desperate are you to be in his presence? How desperate are you to hang on to him? How great is your faith that if you can just get to Jesus, things will be better? For those of you who are in a season of healing, I want to encourage you to ask for healing. I want to encourage you to reach out to Jesus for healing. And then I want to end with this, a seasonal reminder. That Jesus makes us whole. Here's what I love about this story. And and I want you to hear me right. Lots of you, I bet, have prayed for people. You've asked. And you've even reached out to Jesus. And that person has still died of cancer. Right? Which which, which, makes us not want to ask again the next time. Or not reach out to Jesus the next time because it didn't work out the way we we thought it should. And yes, Jesus says to the woman, your faith has healed you. But it's in the midst of all the unbelief of Jairus' family that Jesus still heals. Which means something interesting for us. Jesus isn't like a puzzle piece that if we figure him out, then we get what we want. Right? It's not like you put a quarter in the machine and the candy comes out. That's not how Jesus is. Right? And it's not jackpot Jesus. You don't pull the slot machine over enough and enough and enough and finally you get what you, what you want. Right? See, Jesus is the one that does the healing, even though the woman's faith is involved, even though the, the Jairus's faith is involved, even though there's people that don't have faith involved in Jairus's daughter's life, Jesus does what he wants to do. And Jesus will do what he's going to do in the lives of those who need healing around you and into your life if you need healing. The point, the point isn't healing, the point is Jesus. Because Jesus brings us wholeness. I want to unpack this too. I think sometimes we're just looking for a cure instead of wholeness. I think sometimes we just want things to be fixed temporarily instead of for us to be made whole again. I look out at a culture that is terrified of death. Because they don't know Jesus. 
And so if they can get another cure and get another cure and get another cure, and if they can prolong their life long enough, then they won't have to face the inevitable, their own death, because they're afraid, because they don't know if they're going to be made whole. See, Jesus doesn't bring us just a cure. Jesus doesn't just bring us healing temporarily. He brings us wholeness. This is so much bigger than just our bodies, right? Like, I've been talking about physical healing a lot this morning, but can, can we just be honest in this room? There are those of us who need emotional healing. In this room, there are those who have scars that nobody else can see. And we desperately need to touch the edge of Jesus' cloak because we need wholeness and healing in our emotions, in our souls. There are some of us that need healing in our relationships. Our relationships are broken. We've got a trail of broken relationships behind us. Or we've got someone in our life that is making relationship really, really difficult right now. And we need healing and wholeness in this moment. See, Jesus isn't just about one little aspect of your life. He's about your whole life. He's about making you whole again. And so, here's how I want to end our time together. I don't want to make this just an intellectual exercise. So for those of you who are getting nervous right now, I'm not going to get too charismatic on y'all. But here's what I want to do. I want to invite the worship team to come up and lead us in one last song. Called King of My Heart. Because um, the cool thing about these two folks is that they knelt... At Jesus' feet, which is what you do with a king, right? You come to the throne, you kneel at his feet. And as they sing, and as you sing along with them or not, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about areas of healing in your life or in the lives of loved ones. And I want you to dig on this, okay, during the song. I want you to to find somebody, maybe just one person that needs some healing right now. And I want you to get them really clear in your mind. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a co-worker. I want you to get them really clear in your mind. And then after this song, they're going to keep playing. And I'm going to lead us in a time of praying for healing. We're going to ask God for healing. We're going to reach out to Jesus. Because we believe. We have faith. We know Jesus can do what he wants to do. And so we want to be available to that. We want to be those who are bold in that. So let's stand and sing this song. Let's get someone in mind. And then I'll lead us in a time of prayer.